To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. Hey everyone, here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal, investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the wait list and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between $3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. Oh, you left out a bunch of stuff. Oh, really? Like what, for instance? Well, first of all, you're going to have to grease the local politicians for the sudden zoning problems that always come up. Then there's the kickbacks to the carpenters. And if you plan on using any cement in this building, I'm sure the teams would like to have a little chat with you, and that'll cost you. Oh, and don't forget a little something for the building inspectors. Then there's a long-term cost, such as waste disposal. I don't know if you are familiar with who runs that business, but I assure you it's not the Boy Scouts. That'll be quite enough, Mr. Mellon. Maybe bribes and kickbacks and mafia payoffs are how you do business. But they are not part of the legitimate business world. And they're certainly not part of anything I'm teaching in this class. Do I make myself clear? Sorry, just trying to help, that's all. Now, notwithstanding Mr. Mellon's input, the next question for us is where to build our factory? How about Fantasyland? <laughs> Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com, recorded here at the Spare Parts Studio. Happy Wednesday, everybody. You can find me on Instagram, you can find me on TikTok, and you can find me on Facebook.com slash POS Sarcasm. If you're tired of the social medias and you just don't want to deal with the drama and the metadata and all the other BS that's going on in them, you can simply just find me on YouTube, YouTube Positive Sarcasm and Positive Sarcasm Podcast. If you just don't want to deal with YouTube at all and you just want to sit at home with a freaking tinfoil hat on, then you can just email me directly, positive sarcasm at outlook.com, or just go to my website. I do not hold any data for you for any marketing purposes or anything like that whatsoever. My information, the inf only information I keep is the data that I get from my, is the, the videos that I shoot for my clients. That's the only data I keep. Anything that goes through my website, I can promise you I do not keep store or market out for any reason whatsoever. Your privacy is of the utmost importance when it comes to my website. But you can find me through there, positive sarcasm at outlook.com or you can contact me directly through my site uh, any questions or concerns, email me directly there. If you want to support the podcast, you can do all kinds of stuff. It's there for you. It's free to access, and it will be up until the day 
I die. Which, uh, the way things are going, who knows what's going to happen in a year or two. But so far, I'm healthy. My family's healthy. Everything seems to be going pretty good. Uh, upgrades and things are moving along quite nicely here. Uh, little things in the background. Obviously, the most important thing before you build the house is you build the foundation. And how do you build the foundation? You got to have the right tools for the right job, and you got to have the stuff that's available to you. What not so much what uh, can work, but what will work. Figure that one out for yourself. Have what's available to you and use it to the best of your ability because you don't know what's going to be left at the end of this year, at the end of this month, and at the end of this week. So do yourselves a favor, sip the best coffee you can, make a plan for the day, and attack it at 110% if you have any availability of extra energy beyond 100%. Do whatever you can. Be whatever you can. Uh, because I don't, I can't tell you with everything that's going on. I, I'm starting, I'm, the reason I start the podcast with this is like, look, well, the reason I mainly start the podcast is like, this is, I'm, I got some serious coffee going on, but I'm trying to create, I'm trying to clean things up here. I'm trying to straighten out what's going to happen with me in my situation here, three to six months, one year from now. Because I don't know what's ahead for everyone else. I don't know what's in store for you. I know what's pretty much in store for me. I know what I have to do in order to survive and thrive and be a useful person in the community. But there are always uncertainties in everyone's life. Um, mine are a little bit less. I know what I have to do in order to succeed and move ahead in my life. I know where I have to push and put 110%. But I, look, there are so many distractions out there. One of my distract. Uh, one thing with this thing, this podcast is I'm constantly distracted. Uh, thoughts and ideas are going through my head. I go on. I'm. I start out planning to look at one or two articles, but then I go off on a tangent for 40 minutes about something else. And then the next thing you know, those articles don't get read. The Q and A's don't get answered, and that gets saved for the next podcast, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means I push the content off for a Sunday leftovers or something like that, which means I have content for that. And it's nice to have just pure thoughts for a moment because while all these are the distractions, when I talk about distractions, here's the thing. When I talk about distractions, it's things you see in the news, things you see uh, in the articles, in the blogosphere, on social media. There's, look, at the end of the day, all those pretty pictures and all those clever algorithms and all those uh, <clears throat> reactive uh, videos and pictures and comments and whatever you see, it's all distractions. It's all a distraction. Now, right now, you could say, well, this is accurate. That's facts based on this article or that study. But it's like, look, right now, you have to doubt everything you see. The only thing you can watch that's true, that's actual, was going to show you some truth are the numbers in the stock market. Don't worry about what Ellen's doing. Ellen's going to be just fine whether she moves in or out of California. You know that California has, a, there apparently, there's a proposal for an exit tax. So if you leave, you got to pay a tax. I pay, whatever. I don't want to go down that road. But look, Ellen DeGeneres, that, I don't care about that at all, all right? I don't care. I don't care about the accusations. I don't care about three of her executive producers got fired. I don't care about any of that, all right? I've mentioned it a long time ago on the podcast. It never was a reoccurring story on this podcast. I don't care about that. I don't care about this, the censorship on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, which I'm no longer on, those things. Uh, the whole mask situation, COVID-19. Look, everything at, at some point... Gather as much information you need on a certain topic so that you can move through your day with as little resistance as possible so that you can complete your objective. There's so many distractions out there in everything. Okay, even the things that your, your objectives can be distracting from the ultimate objective, which is to not have to worry about anything anymore and present yourself with challenges that, of your choice. 
So while everybody else is uh, freaking about about freaking out about uh, political stuff or religious stuff or cultural stuff, you guys need to be paying attention to what's going on with your future, your money, your family. Like for a perfect example today, it's like, yeah, maybe you're not getting another stimulus check. Oh no, what do we do? Well, you need to take a look at the stock market because the stock market was a was a key thing this uh this today right now what's happening right now right now right now right now okay there's not going to be another stimulus check unless the market collapses okay very it's it's a real possibility that can collapse right now here's what you see there's the volatility i talked about it about three or four weeks ago and right now for full disclosure i generally state that the mass majority of my portfolio is in reits real estate investment trusts okay they generally um they generally right right now they're trading very low because there's no interest rates, there's a huge default, there's all and people are just not buying and people are too scared. So they are plummeted. They are very very low in price right now. Why do you hold on to them? Simple. They all pay pennies on the dollar every single quarter. So they could drop and unless they suspend dividends or or get purchased back by the company that owns them, every quarter I'm going to get paid money out regardless of whether I lose amount of money on the stock if it if the val say I buy it for this amount but it drops half or 80% I'm still going to get paid dividends so as long as I hold on to the stock I'm going to get paid over the long term every single quarter so who cares I hold on to that money whatever it's AT&T or IVR or a trust company it doesn't matter you hold on to it those will always pay out dividends they continue to pay dividends and they only suspended them REITs have never gone bankrupt or REITs have never failed in the stock market. Let me put it that way. So I'm watching that and I'm like, all right, I don't care if the market crashes again. I'm going to get paid either way. They're already paid. They're already at an extreme discount. So I'm going to get paid. So just leave them there. Don't panic. Leave your money in. Well, what else is happening in the market? You see a lot of things. The tech sector, the bubble is starting to burst. Okay. You see a lot of sell-off with Tesla. You see a lot of these issues. What am I getting at? I'm getting at this as a massive sell-off right now. There's a massive amount of uncertainty. We don't know what's steady. We don't know what markets are overpriced. We don't know what all these fucking Robin Hood heroes and e-traders like myself, um, these e-traders, basically these app crusaders that are buying and selling this and whatever, making a quick buck off of this and that and the other thing. It's causing a lot of volatility and movement and option trading on the market. And it's crazy. And it's hard to pick out what's the win. But right now with all the uncertainty going into the winter time, with a possible another wave of corona and all the political bullshit that's behind that and all the other things that are making very uncertain, it's causing volatility. It's causing people to pull back, but are they taking their money out of the market completely? No. I said a few weeks, I said a few weeks ago on the podcast, you need to, if you're going to hold on to your money in the market, you at least need to allocate some into a bear stock. What's a bear stock? Well, the, there's a volatility stock and a bear stock. They react the exact opposite of every other stock on the market. Okay. So generally when the stock market goes down, bond sales go up, gold starts to go up. Gold hasn't gone up yet. Gold hasn't gone up yet, but the bear stocks have. For example, SPXS, XPXU, there's like XP, SPXL, all these bear stocks. So basically all you need to know is when the market drops, they go up. And right now they've been, they've been coiling up, coiling up. And it's not much. And it's not, they're, they're relatively cheap. Right now they're around, they were as low as like four, five bucks a share. Now they're getting close to six, six fifty, seven dollars a share. One of them's at nine. The VIX, the volatility one. The volatility one is when the shit hits the fan. That's called the VIX. There's also one called like VXXY. That one is basically ultra shorts. 
that is another one. It's basically that's a volatility scale. That all, but here's the thing: when volatility spikes, the bear stocks spike, but not the other way around. So right now, there's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty. So even though Nike and Adidas made a shitload of money today, a lot of people bought into them. That stuff's gonna get sold off tomorrow because there's a lot of people chasing the quick dollar. That stuff's gonna get sold off tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen right now. There's no certainty in the market right now, none whatsoever, because you don't know which way it's going to go and how it's going to swing into next year. So the bear stocks are starting to pile up. We don't know what's going to collapse at the end of this. So we just have to wait and see. So people are either pulling their money out right now or they're putting them into bear cash. Bear cash, the bear stocks right now. And I'm not advising anything. I'm just telling you the truth. These are the things that monitor the stock market. These alternatives... The, the, the opposite end of the spectrum, they sit on the market for years. You can go and look at them. All they do is go down and go down and go down. And then when the shit hits the fan, they spike. They spike for a couple days and then they plummet again. And now they're cheap as ever. So what do you do? Well, just go and look at them. Do your research on them. Understand it's a short-term thing. It's a great way to supplement a significant amount of your losses in the market while the market's down. And if you make a quick buck off of all these off the, all this volatility, you'll now have a lot of money to either A, rainy day cash, or B, buy more when the stocks have plummeted, or to buy gold or something like that. There's many ways of looking at it. I simply suggest you look at them and see, and see what your thoughts are on the matter. But like I'm saying, pay attention to where the, what the money is doing right now. See where it's going. If you follow the money, you can perfectly understand what the market, what the world is doing, what the U.S. is doing, what everybody's doing. You can plainly see right now that everyone's leaving California. Everyone's leaving Los Angeles. People are leaving, uh, people are leaving San Francisco. People are fleeing New York. People are leaving Chicago. Where are they going? They're going to Texas. They're going to Florida. They're going to New Jersey. They're moving to the East Coast. Houses up here are getting sold at a record rate. They're being bought at a record rate. So that's, that's got to tell you something. These, high, these values in stocks have been going, these values in these properties. Well, remember, when if, if LA gets to such a point where it's so cheap and so dirt poor and everything like that and people are just fleeing, well, it'll get down to such a point where somebody's going to come in and just clean up all those properties. And they're going to lobby for new legislation and all this other bullshit. Next thing you know... One person or, or large entities are going to purchase all the properties in a region because they were so cheap and then just take over the area. That's what people do. They buy in bulk, they buy cheap, and then they go long. That's the great way, and that's the great way for the rich to get richer. So you as a small-time consumer have to, if you're hunting with one bullet, you wait for a clean shot. You're not somebody who has... $50,000 or $100,000 or even $10,000 in reserve cash that you can use to make a quick dollar. But you might have 500 bucks kicking around. You may have 100 bucks kicking around. That's all you need to start playing the game. It is, truly. Because when these, when these things flip, they flip for triple, quadruple sometimes. Some of them flip at 40 to 50, 40 to 50% on top of your initial cost. Some of them do triple or quadruple. You can go and look at the you can go and look at the charts. I strongly suggest you look at it. It's free for you to do so. And it's best for you to understand where the money's going instead of being distracted by all the other bullshit that's going on because none of it matters. 
trying to under, make you understand that there's a, another worldly situation going on where you can better yourself just by focusing your talents and your intelligence, however much you have, on other things. Okay? Posting selfies on fucking Instagram is not going to get you anywhere. Posting your political opinions on Facebook is not going to get you anywhere. Following and liking and commenting on people who don't have any, any value in the world aren't going to get you anywhere. It's not. That is just going to be a complete time waster. A complete time waster. So you need to do yourselves a favor and focus on following the money, educating yourself in the craft, use it, utilizing whatever you have. Whether you, if you wanna, Why would you buy a, a kitchen table when you could build one? You know, I mean, these, this, that's a perfect example of, if you were, really, to so buy a nice kitchen table, if you were to go to like a consignment gallery or something like that and buy a kitchen table, like a used place, a used table, something that's really pretty, it would cost you like $1,000. So why would you go and do that? Maybe you can build one out of scrap wood or something that you have in the house. You can just literally go on YouTube right now and just learn. I think the most important thing you can be doing right now is learning, is understanding. And I really think that everybody else is to, like, you come to this podcast, there's a lot of things that you can learn. I talk about very interesting articles, things that you never realized existed, about many different things. Today I sat down, I learned about uh, what, how, how the Jews were uh, thrown out of several different countries, how they were barely tolerated, all long before, and then slavery, long before Jews were being treated at, were part of the, quote, final solution, the Jewish problem in the, in the late 1930s. Remember that little situation? So basically they were never accepted in any community. They had no choice but to flee to the United States because they were either going to be enslaved or killed. Okay? It wasn't a matter of choice. It was either go to the U.S. or die. That was, the, that was what Jews had to do all over the, all over the world, in, the, in, the, in, in Europe, in, uh, in Northern Africa, in the Middle East, and in Russia. They, had to, they were fleeing. They didn't choose to come here to seek better opportunity. They came here because they wouldn't be killed. Simple as that. And then I, th I went on to further learn about uh, other things because a lot of people don't understand what was going on in, the, in, in Russia during the basically the Stalin era, how many people he killed due to starvation, the Russian Revolution, the Cossacks, all that stuff. And over the course of 20 years, how many millions and tens of millions of people were killed because of a collective think? So I'm learning about that today. And that was the grim stuff. I don't know what we'd learn about grim stuff, but it's important to understand where you've, what has transpired so you can avoid possible pitfalls in the future. Like Eric, Eric Weinstein, uh, he's a really, really smart dude. That's all you need to know. Just look him up. Eric Weinstein, smart fucking dude. Has an even smarter brother, Brett. Uh, he was a, he's a former professor. He, Eric mentioned something about like every 10 years, um, the world should detonate a thermonuclear weapon or some type of hydrogen bomb. Every year, just detonate one in the desert so that we understand the power that has. The, the how dangerous that can be. People don't understand. Like when people think about September 11th, a lot of people weren't even. Al now we live in a society where 18-year-olds weren't alive when the towers fell. There are people here who don't remember Pearl Harbor, who didn't learn about Pearl Harbor, who don't understand Pearl Harbor, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Kennedy assassination, w nuclear 
uh, nuclear Cold War, the Cold War of the 50s and 60s and 70s, the 80s as well. They don't understand that. Chernobyl. They have no fucking clue unless they watch the miniseries on HBO. They got no clue. These are things they need to learn about. It'll, it'll give you a better understanding. The whole Russian fucking, uh, the whole five-year plan and the green and, the, and all that stuff was insane. Absolutely insane. But there's no documentation of it. Well, there's documentation of it, but there's no, unlike the Holocaust, there's no actual real, true, heavy, like, you know, big uh, Netflix documentary about it. There just isn't. So it's not a lot. So it's hard to learn about that. But that's the dark shit. I learned about the dark shit. But I learned about the light stuff, too, because it's interesting. It's it's stuff that kind of makes your head go into another atmosphere of understanding why things are the way they are. And speaking of Jews, there was an interesting one about um, about a wire, an actual wire, like a thread, big, long thread above Manhattan. The article is by uh, mentalfloss.com. It's a really interesting article. So I'm like, I'm reading about this stuff. It's like, look, follow the money, understand what's going on about you. Instead of, you can ask questions, which is great. Ask a lot of questions. But a lot nowadays, you can actually, before you even ask somebody else a question, you can go and research it online. And then you can get a better understanding about that more by asking an actual person. Because sometimes it's hard when you're researching a topic, if you're going to get the right, especially if you're using Google, whether or not you're getting the true information. Especially, same thing with Wikipedia. Because Wikipedia can be also wrong as well. Makes you kind of miss those Merriam and Webster dictionaries and those uh, uh, Encyclopedia Britannicas, you know? And the, I mean, I used, I used to have those. I always look for the pictures. Um, but this one is, it's an article about, like, I just want to convey some interesting uh, stuff to you. Maybe get your take and be like, oh, that's why that is? And then I want to jump to one other thing, too. Um, actually, let me get to that first. So if we're going to follow the money, if we're going to spend our money wisely in a time of uncertainty massively, look, it's important to be healthy, look healthy, and act healthy. So a little piece of shopping advice. I know right now whether or not there was a stimulus check coming or you got a tax return coming next year or a free paycheck or you need to just go do something. Look, I understand I go out of my way to avoid having to step foot in a mall or in a retail outlet because it's just like I have other things to do with my time. I have I have plans to record certain videos. I have audio I need to work on. I have clients that need my help. Um, I have stuff I need to sell. You know, there's there's uh, and I have other personal responsibilities. So why would I go and spend fucking an hour at a sh- at a shoe store? Uh, overpaying for a shoe when I just want to get something that's already broken in on the internet. And looks look at the lo- like one of my favorite shoes, one of my favorite shoe companies is a Spanish loafer. It's the company called Meslin. If you ever look it up, you can Google Me- Meslin. If you want to get like a standard Meslin, like a, a a loafer from Meslin, you can spend anywhere from like a hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars to four hundred dollars. Meslin is not cheap. We're talking like Saks Fifth Avenue, uh, you know, that type of shit. They're not a cheap loafer. So, and they go up to like almost $1,000. Now, you can insert Meslin, you can insert Ferragamo, Vince Camuto, you could, you know, Gucci, whatever. You can insert any of them. And you're going to spend two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 if you want on these shoes. Why would you do that? 
I get it. Nothing like a new pair of shoes. But you're going to wear them. How many times are you going to wear them? Where do you wear them? And why would you spend that much money? So if you spend all your money in the shoes, how much are you going to have left over for the shirt or the pants or the gas to put in your freaking car to the place that you want to go to to look good, to show off? You realize you can go get Spanish loafers or Meslins or Gucci's or Ferragamos or Camudos for like 20 bucks, for 30 bucks, for 40 bucks. Hell, you can get the $500 ones for like 60 or 70 bucks. All you got to do is go on eBay and buy pre-owned shoes. Ew, gross. It's not gross. It happens all the time. Shoes are cleaned up and resold, uh, re, re cleaned up and resold. They put new soles and heels on them sometimes. They clean them out. I mean, why wouldn't you do that instead? If you want, or here's the thing. When you buy, if you buy dress shoes, you have to understand there are leather shoes. So there's imported leather, like Italian leather, European leather, or there's Chinese leather. And then there's plastic, poly, fake leather. Now, unless you're buying like suede shoes, you can get away with wearing like faux suede. That's fine. That's okay. You know, because you can weatherproof those pretty easily. But as far as buying uh, poly shoes or plastic shoes, that's an old school running joke. When it comes to buying shoes, yeah, you don't want to be buying poly or fake leather, plastic looking. Number one, if you buy them cheap, they smell like gasoline. They look like shit. They, they're fake as fuck. You can tell by looking at them and go, those shoes are fucking fake. Okay. You don't want to be wearing them. You, it's, that's a fool's, that, that's fool shit. Now, that, so you can spend 30, 40 bucks on those dress shoes, which look like ass, are fake as fuck, and make you look stupid. Or you can spend full price on a pair of, you know, Kenneth Cole loafers, which are decent, but have gone way too high in price and are now starting to replace their standard leather with more plasticky stuff. Not good. And they fall apart pretty easily. Even with the floor shimes, the soles and the heels and the floor shimes are starting to bottom, are starting to you know, rot out. That's not good. You can go and get them replaced, but it's going to cost you 60 to to $100 to have these soles and heels replaced. That's a brand new pair of shoes. Or you can get a really expensive pair of shoes for next to nothing. You can go on eBay and you can type in any Spanish, Italian loafer that you're looking for and just go through the list and you can get brown, black, whatever for next to nothing. You can reset your whole wardrobe for super cheap. You you don't need to walk into an apartment store. There are certain things that you should absolutely, like if you need to go into somewhere, like for example, you want to buy a nice suit, you know you, you know your fittings. You'd want to go to a place that focuses and specializes in getting fitted for a suit, getting fitted for shirts, because that's important. However, when it comes to like buying chinos or buying socks or buying, uh, you know, stuff like that, you know, or polos, you know, for the most part, you can get away with buying, spending not a lot of money and just ordering it online and then throwing it on. And sometimes they'll even let you return it. But as far as shoes go, know your size. Understand what you've worn in the past and utilize that towards a future purchase. And if you are utilizing uh, eBay, you can get these really expensive Spanish loafers. I just bought a pair of Meslins off of eBay. I think I spent with shipping like 30 bucks, 25 to 30 bucks on a pair of Spanish loafers that would have cost me two or 300 when I first bought them. Are they used? Of course they are. 
but you're going to break them in. You're going to beat these things up. And I'm going to repolish them and clean them out and put co and put new cushions on the inside of them. And it's going to look no different than any other dress shoe I've ever worn. And I'm going to polish and clean them up and wax them and shine them up myself. And they're going to look amazing. And they're going to look perfect. And they'll look great with the clothes that I choose to wear. And I think it's important. I think right now, out of all times, out of any time right now, now is the best time to look your best. When times are at their worst, it is important for you to look your best. I think it's important to throw on that that little more decent pair of shoes or better pair of pants. Uh, why pair je why rock jeans when you can maybe throw on some chinos? A little bit of color, you know. Maybe if you're if you're wearing like a uh, if you want to rock a t-shirt, maybe put on a nice V-neck, something that fits properly to you. Maybe something that will uh, uh, promote you losing that beer gut. Drink a little less. You know, if you're just wearing a sweater or some type of cotton shirt, maybe throw on like a, a nice jacket or a nice uh, a cardigan or something like that. Clean that shit right up. You know, get yourself, put yourself in a position where it's like, all right, yeah, you know, you feel good about yourself. Enhance that mental self-esteem, you know? Like for, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the soup is on low on the stove. I got fresh coffee right here. There's a little bit of that going on where it's like, hey, things are okay. There's, my shit is together. I'm focusing on them. And I'm, right now I'm watching the market and I'm not scared at the least because I have a contrasting market, a contrasting portfolio where even though my one, one, setup, one port, part of the portfolio is down a lot, doesn't matter. Those companies are not going anywhere and they're paying me quarterly. At the end of the year, they all have to pay me my dividends. And then while they're dropping, the other one's going up and I cash out of them once they've peaked. I missed the first opportunity and I own that one. I missed out on a significant amount of money because I got too greedy. And that's the problem. We get a little too greedy. Sometimes it's good to just take the small victories. In this case, it was a little bit more of a, a little bit more than a small victory, but I'll own that, but I still own them and I have a long-term plan for them, which is great. But that's one thing that I don't have to worry about. And then I don't have to worry about like retirement is obviously doing its own thing. And then I have, I'm focusing on new concepts, trying to stay sharp. So when I go and do paid gigs, I have my, uh, what do you call it? My techniques a little more on point. Like, what do you call it? Um, video editing jujitsu. That's a great way of putting it. Video editing jujitsu. It's the same thing. You practice your concepts by you practice your work, your video editing, and your video and your shooting and your cinematography by going out and doing concepts. Whatever, whatever it is. Even if I'm playing fucking Captain Spaceman out there by doing one of those cyberpunk videos, I'm practicing my cinematography and my video editing skills, and I'm in and I'm implementing new things that I haven't tried yet. And this will allow me to be a better videographer and cinematographer if I'm never doing weddings or if I'm doing charity shit or whatever. It's a great way to implement it. It's 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 really and exploring new topics. Doesn't have to be controversial. Doesn't have to be anything dark or or weird like when I did the signal dies, which is only three minutes long. But it can be that too. That's a new way of trying things out, and it's a message that I wanted to put out there. It's like, what would you do with this? So that's one thing. And then just putting all that together, following the money, looking good, eating right, staying focused. And then trying to re stay reserved. If you're a reserved person, right now is a great time to be reserved, but not, uh, what do you call it? Somebody you can push. You have to maintain your value system. 
and then just do do what you feel is right, even if it doesn't align with what I think. Doesn't have, it's not supposed to. What you think is not supposed to really align with what I think. We should just have common ground, and that's all. I want, look, look, let me get to this fucking article here. But yeah, as far as uh, dress shoes, that's a really good consumer. This is a consumer point. If you're going to shop for shoes, please, if you have a certain idea in mind or a certain type of shoe in line, dress shoes or whatever, go and check out eBay first. Look up the type of companies that you like to wear and see what they offer for you in a pre-owned selection. I know with ladies, it's one that, look, guys, it's real simple. We can just put gel soles in there and we're good to go. I know, understand, like, ladies, if you tried on shoes, if you tried on a pair of fucking whatevers and you're like, oh, my God, they have a pair on eBay, the same price, they, the, the, the same size that I just tried on and the same styling and everything. And they have my size. Great, perfect. Oh, my God, it's like 80% off and it's pre-owned. I can get it in fucking five days. Why wouldn't you do that? You can go out and try on a shoe that you really like at retail, and then you can go and look on eBay and see if somebody else is selling them. Why, why, why not? Why not? And you ladies, I know with your dress shoes, or with your shoes and your, and your pumps and your stilettos, you wear them like once or twice. So if you're going to wear them once or twice, why would you spend five times the amount when you can get them for that once or twice uh, a month price? You know, so, just, you know, just something to, something to keep in mind. Uh, let me get this article out of the way and then we'll go straight to Q&A. What's the what's this thing? Oh, I'll wait. I'll I'll share that one for another day. This one. All right. Mental. I wanted to at least get this article as I promised it like twice already in this podcast. Uh, Mentalfloss.com had an article about New York City, uh, preferably certain parts of Manhattan by Jake. Uh, shout out to Jay Serafino. And when did this article come out? Well, oh, forever ago. All right. Well, either way, it's a wire above Manhattan that you've probably never noticed. And this does tie into Jewish, uh, this ties into the Jewish stuff, uh, to Jewish, you know, like religion and stuff like that. But I want to, I want to convey something very interesting to you. So let's get past all the fluffy stuff. All right. Now the wire that goes around, uh, Manhattan is called an aruv. It's considered, it's basically hidden. You don't necessarily see it. You have to look for it. And how you doing, Chase? Chase, can you not? Hey, can you not? Thank you. So, yeah, it's called an aruv. It's 18 miles of translucent wire. It stretches around the skyline. And it exists thanks to the Jewish Sabbath. On the Sabbath, which is viewed as a day of rest, observant Jewish people aren't allowed to carry anything, books, groceries, or children. In public places, doing so is considered work. The aruv encircles Manhattan, much of Manhattan, acting as a symbolic boundary that turns the very public streets of Manhattan of the city into a private space, much like one's own home. This allows people to freely communicate and socialize on the Sabbath and carry whatever they please without having to worry about breaking Jewish law. Along with everything else in New York City, the Aruv isn't cheap. It cost a group of Orthodox synagogues, synagogues excuse me, $100,000 a year to maintain the wires which are inspected by a rabbi. I watched it personally. Every Thursday, Chase, if you want to be part of the podcast, you have to be on the left. You can't get in the way, okay? Good boy. Uh, Thursday, okay. Uh, it costs $100,000 a year to maintain the wires. They're inspected by a rabbi every Thursday before dawn to confirm they are still attached. While wires do occasionally fall, the overall aruv has survived events such as the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and Hurricane Sandy. 
When a roof wires do break, it can cause enough of a stir to make news. Most notably, in 2011, a wire broke near the United Nations building, which caused a problem when repair crews couldn't get past security to fix it. The issue was eventually resolved, but not before a good deal of panic set in. They got a map here. The vast majority of Manhattan, except for maybe like the business district, which is in lower Manhattan, is completely in ca uh, surrounded by this wire. Manhattan has had a roof in one form or another since the early 20th century, but the present-day incarnation began on the Upper West Side in 1994. It has since expanded from, the, from 126th Street to Houston Street, and its exact locations can now be fuel, viewed on Google Maps. Intermittently updated Twitter field, too. The city does have some rules and places regarding the roof. The wire can only be quarter-inch thick, and it must be hung at least 15 feet off the ground. New York City isn't the only metropolis in the U.S. with an roof. They can also be seen or not seen. Uh, in St. Louis, Atlanta, Baltimore, Chicago, Dallas. Well, in Baltimore, they have uh, sneakers hanging from them. Baltimore, Chicago, Dallas, and other numerous cities across the country. Uh, Rabbi Adam Mintz, co-president of the Manhattan Roof, talks more about it. There's a video. You can go to mentalfloss.com. There's a video about it. So <clears throat> let me see here. So, yeah, it's basically just, look, here's the most important thing. Like, it's in a roof. I'm sure to main they maintain it. They repair it. If it breaks, they fix it. They tie up a new one. It's, it is a strictly Jewish thing, okay? It's a strictly Jewish thing. And you, for whatever reason, if you think it's silly or whatever, they do it. Look, the fact is, is the city doesn't pay for it. You, the taxpayer doesn't pay for it. The, the Jewish community pays for it, specifically. $100,000 a year doesn't come out of the taxpayers' pockets. The Jewish community pays for it. However they pay for it, maybe it's through the funding of the church or whatever, that's fine. They pay for it. So that's, and it's, it's a weird, it may be weird, but it's kind of cool, and the fact is it's just something that's there. And it doesn't, and it doesn't intrude. It kind of, here's a great way of looking at it too. Culturally, it blends with the times. It's there. It soothes the soul of the Jewish person, the, the orthodox Jewish person. That's very different than a, a non-orthodox Jew. So you get your, you've got your orthodoxies and you've got your Hasidims. So they have it, they pay for it, and it's barely noticeable. So that is a cultural acceptance while conforming to what the life of New York City, understanding that you you're not you are a New Yorker before you are a Jew. You are a New Yorker before you are, you know, insert religion, insert race, insert anything here. You are a New Yorker before anything else. So you have to adapt to the way New York is first before you can put your so if this gets in the way of this a roof gets in the way of New York City, we got a problem. Okay. How about we, we'll just make it smaller, barely visible. We'll put it around this section here, and we'll pay for it. Oh, you'll pay for it? No problem. Throw it up. Cool. And there we go. A compromise has been reached. The, the, your culture has not interfered with the life of any New Yorkers, and it, hasn't hurt their, and it doesn't hurt their wallet. The only thing that has hurt their wallet right now is the other bullshit that's going on in New York City, which the Jews had nothing to fucking do with. So take that into perspective. Um, but that is a pretty cool article. You can go and check that out uh, on mentalfloss.com. It's a little something you learned about. Might put one up around my house, actually, when I think about it. Anyways, um, I'm always fucking working, though. I have to put one around my car. 
I want to get to, um, yeah, where are we at? 38 minutes. Let's go ahead and close up with some Q&A for today. There were some other articles I want to time, uh, talk about, like the time we almost nuked the moon and somebody talking shit about South Park who can, what was it, J.M. McNabb? J.M. McNabb, shut up. But anyways, let's go ahead and get to some Q&A. And if you want to support the podcast, if you want to support the whole community, look, if a million of you donated $1, positivesarcasm.com slash donate, believe me, if a million of you did that, I'd be much better off. I'd be much better off. Really, really appreciate it. Just going to throw that shameless plug in there. Anyways, here we go. Oh, coffee of the day is uh, Vineyard uh, Vineyard Whole Bean and Aroma Joe's. Mm. Two scoops of one, two scoops in the other, both whole bean. Boiled, let sit for 10 minutes. Pour. French press. Delish. How can I get my husband to stop speaking his native language to his friends and family on the phone? My husband and I have been together for 20 years, married for 12. He is from UK. Wales. When he visit when we visit his relatives and friends in Wales, everyone is kind enough to speak English while I am in the room. Welsh is their native language. When we are in the States, my husband speaks to his family and friends subsequently frequently on the phone, always in Welsh. I find this rude, and when I mentioned it, he said it was not talking he was not talking about me and therefore it shouldn't bother me. I often hear my name mentioned in his conversations, and although I am not sure it is malicious, I'm still uncomfortable as he babbles on in his native language. Babbles. Jesus Christ. Is it too much to ask about that he speak English while I am present in my own house? What is the etiquette for this type of situation? He's talking on the phone to his family who is all the way across the ocean. He should be more than comfortable and more than allowed to speak in his own language. You know, it's and especially with Welsh, it's a die Welsh is gonna be probably one of those languages that's gonna die pretty soon or get very rare. It's important to understand where you came from, and language is one of the most important ways to understand it. You, you know. Latin. They used to teach Latin in freaking high school. They don't do that anymore. Aramaic. They, I don't know when they taught that, but they don't teach that anymore. So it's important to understand other languages because it carries so much more with it. It carries history. It carries culture. It carries uh, action and demeanor. Because not only, not only do you speak in that language, but you make uh, hand gestures in that language. You make facial expressions in that language. You create emotion in that language. So there's so much more behind it when he's just speaking that. You also have a conf- you have, you have a comfortableness. Yes, if he's speaking to you, he should be able to speak in English because he's living he lives in the United States and he should be culturally adapting to the United States. If he's speaking to his family, yeah, he, he's it's cool. He should be speaking in if he's speaking they're speaking Welsh, he should be speaking Welsh and you should probably get some understanding of what the fuck he's saying. So go out and learn something about your spouse. It'd probably be a good thing to do. Learn about what they like and they don't like and how they speak and what this means and what that means and what what swear words do you want to learn in that language and shit. It's probably a good idea. It's not rude at all. And babbling, believe me, there's plenty of, plenty of Americans who babble. I'm one. I do it twice a week. Uh, so the fact is, is let him do it. Just, or don't let him do it. You don't have a choice in the matter. Let him do it. He speaks English. They speak to you because they're being kind. You're the, you're a guest in their home, so they speak English to you because they don't want you to feel like an outcast. But he's talking to them over the phone. It would make far more sense for him to just speak in a way where they can, can they can speak comfortably. So you need to you need to adapt to that because he's not speaking to you. And as long as he's not talking shit about you, who gives a fuck? And even if he is, well, address it. If he is talking shit about you, then there's an issue. Well, first of all, learn. 
but he's talking to his family. Let him speak. Let him. You're gently. You're 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 not connecting the dot. You're not connecting on a lot of this. So you kind of need to let him do what he needs to do. And like I said, there's a lot you can learn from a very uh, a little more rare and unique language. All right. How can I tell? Oh, this is going to be tough. This one's going to be a long one. Might piss some people off. How can I tell my boss it made me uncomfortable when he encouraged me to become a homemaker? Recently, my boss, just above my immediate supervisor, called, called me to share his perspective since he knows I am getting married soon. He wanted to tell me how much he appreciates his wife staying home to care for their children and wanted me to hear that perspective since it is counter to the predominant view of careerism today. He and I have connected about our shared Catholic beliefs before. He even sent me religious premarital counseling materials when I first got engaged. But we've never talked about religious values related to my employment. This is such a freaking hard, this is such a dicey line. I just, this is why I don't like these topics in an office environment. Or any topics for that matter. But we've never talked about religious values related to my employment. What's the best way to say that the conversation crossed a boundary and made me feel uncomfortable in every other interaction i think the boss has done a great job balancing being a deepest religious deep religious person in a professional environment and he did engage the conversation about staying home as sharing his perspective rather than telling me what to do that said it made it was an unsolicited perspective that i know was not shared with my male colleague who is also getting married soon because the boss will have a say in any of my future promotions or raises, I worry that his perspective on working mothers might hinder my career growth. I asked my immediate supervisor for advice, and he suggested to leave it alone since the issue would not arise until I actually have a child. Well, look, you're, at the end of the day, it's your choice, okay? If you want to continue on with a career, then you do so. If you have a plan in place and you're going to run with it, they will respect it. If it comes up again, then maybe it's an issue. But this is a person who has, even as your boss, is a human being too. And they found some type of comfortableness in sharing their perspective. If it's one, that's, in that in itself is points. The fact that they feel comfortable enough sharing this perspective with you, you should at least think about it if you haven't thought about it at all. It's not necessarily an insult. It's not like this person is saying, stay home, stay with the kids, don't have a job, that's where you belong, get in the kitchen, bitch. No, you, you need to just absorb the fact that a lot of people, moms or dads, choose to stay home because, look, somebody's got to look after the little fuckers, and it can't be a fucking nanny 24-7 taking care of your kids. Do you have any idea what kind of damage you're doing to a child when the fucking child is just stuck with a nanny or the grandparent or what have you all the time? They don't see their own they don't see their own mother and father. That's that is emotionally damaging. You're stunting their growth in ways you can't imagine. So somebody has to look after the little shit. And it should be either it should be one of you. Okay, it's going to take 4 to 5 years of true do this, don't do that, don't touch that. That's hot. Come into bed, clean your fucking room, do this. You eat or you don't eat at all. It's going to take 4 to 5 years of you and your spouse cementing that shit into the kid before they start to go to school, and then you can figure it out. But there should be that. Now, they're just giving you your boss, who has confided with you about their with their religious beliefs and stuff like that, has confided to you with a certain amount of trust. That's all. 
don't take offense to everything. And even if you do take an offense to it, it's not like even if you're offended, it doesn't mean you're right. Okay? To risk telling the truth is to risk being offensive. A lot of conversations being had in the world today are uncomfortable. All right? Not every conversation is uncomfortable. Things will be said. We're trying shit out. It's ju it's fucking verbal jujitsu. You know, you're just kind of rolling around trying to figure out this and that. But not everything should be a battle all the time. Look, you're just not trying to... He, this person shared a thought with you. And this is how they were raised. And this is the thought they have. And they wanted to share it with you. And maybe you will. Maybe you won't. Don't think of everything as like quid pro quo. If you do this, you know, you get a raise or blah, blah, blah. Look, at the end of the day, you're, if you're going to have a kid, somebody has to raise it. So if you got two parents, there's your answer. You figure it out from there or don't have a kid at all. And I'm not saying it should be you, but it's got to be one of you. So fucking figure it out. Let's continue. All right. Ooh, Jesus. Dowries are still a thing? We're going to Nah, let's not. That one doesn't excite me. All right. Here we go. Yeah, let's get to some relationship shit. Mm. Should I stay with my boyfriend despite his obvious obsession with his friend? My boyfriend of just under a year is pansexual. The fuck is that? Oh, fuck anything. That's right. Which has never been a problem. I'm a straight woman, FYI. However, the night we met, he told me that he recently hooked up with a straight... Wait, huh? However, the night we met, he told me that he recently hooked up with his straight... With a straight male friend, Brandon. Yeah, Brandon's definitely gay. Um, I don't care what he says. And then been rejected. And, this, and in this situation in particular, this is an issue. It is obvious that Tom has a crush on Brandon... Tom has said on a few occasions that he was ready to come out of, to his religious parents for Brendan and was hoping to be his boyfriend. But Brendan told him that the sex was a one-time thing and asked him not to tell anyone. A request he obviously did not honor. Oops! Instead of backing off, Tom will text Brendan to join our group at any outing unless I expressly asked him to not say any... Not by... Not saying... Wait. Ask him not to by saying... What? Unless I expressly ask him not... To by saying that I would like tonight just be us. What the fuck? You could have said that way easier. Our, that our friends, okay, I've invited only us out. When Tom does invite Brendan places, Brendan often does not respond or responds hours later vaguely. Once Tom said that he wanted to use my phone to call Brendan because he thought he'd actually get to pick, him, pick up by using a number, not his own. Oh, boy that Brendan didn't recognize. If we pass a bar that Brendan is known to frequent regularly, Tom likes to stop in to see if he's there and will want to hang out if Brendan is there. He also repeatedly violates Brendan's request to keep their hookup under wraps. He's told many people, not just me, this is a one time he did get to Brendan to hang out. Tom pissed me off by saying, staying out hours after he told me he was coming back, letting his phone die so that I couldn't reach him, and then waking me up at 3.30 in the morning to let him in because he didn't have his keys he's also lately been floating the idea of Brennan joining us into the threesome because i have expressed interest in us finding a male partner for one wants to spend one time one-on-one -on -one time with brendan as a start to getting home him home with us at this point i think i'm ready to throw up the towel and let tom chase the man and implode their friendship unencumbered by a relationship with me uh that yes that that's exactly what you should do 
I think you need to get rid of this guy altogether. He's obviously, uh, regardless, look, if it was a girl, you would be fucking freaking out right now. So why treat it any different? It's a guy, it's a girl, it's another person that is hindering your time in the relationship. If it was a business venture or a challenge or an opportunity of a lifetime, then that's one thing. But we're talking about another person in the relationship. That doesn't that does not work. So whether it's a guy or a girl or a fucking rabbit, it doesn't matter. This is this is somebody who is looking to fuck somebody else. So you need to pull the ripcord on this one. And thankfully, it's only been like less than a year. So you need to close the book on this situation and emotionally protect yourself because all you're doing is damaging your credibility because your dude wants to fuck another dude. So let him go try to fuck the other dude. And I understand the whole obsession thing about somebody. Yeah, we all fall prey to it because we just get locked up in a bad in a bad way sometimes. But... Look, I see it, you see it, you need to pull the trigger on it because he obviously doesn't give a shit about you. So if you financially don't need this guy, then you emotionally don't need him either. So kick his ass to the curb and move along because there's a lot more value to you when you actually stand up for yourselves. All right. Last one and we're done. How can I tell my friend he must cut ties with his current girlfriend if he and I ever start dating? I'm going to read that again. No, I'm not going to read it again. You heard it. Let's just continue with the actual thing. A friend's wife died six months ago, and after a 10-year battle with cancer, he was her faithful caretaker, as she was mostly homebound and bedridden. He told me previously that he has had a female friend for the last four years. He didn't say, but I think she comes with benefits, I.E. yet, I already know what I.E. is. Her office and his workplace regularly interact, and he knows her family and her kids. He likes me, and I like him. During his initial grief period, perhaps for even a year, I wish to only be friends, and I have told him we are not going to be intimate anytime soon. As his grief lessens, it is possible that he and I may eventually date, but I don't feel good about his female friend, and I wouldn't want her to be in our space at all, not even as a casual friend. Even if they have been lovers, I wouldn't want him to cut all ties with her, uh, okay, how likely is a widower to carry forward the likely mistress he has had to his wife protracted during his wife's protracted illness? Um, I think I just think that this isn't gonna work. Like, it just seems like the dynamic of it just le is gonna lead ultimately to disaster. And I get it; you hunt for something so long, but. The idea is that there's that person. This person has been struck with such horrible tragedy. And then there's this other person in the picture that kind of lingers in the background and can and it's not that it's not that anybody here is a bad nobody here is a bad person in the situation. Nobody, okay? That needs to be uh perfectly clear. But it seems like some poor decisions can be made whether by the, him, her or you. And I think it's best that you just kind of drift out of the, the equation and let this naturally occur. And I always say, like, look, if you're if you're trying to get with somebody or you're trying to put yourself in a better light, it's best to just back off. Like, say for an example, you really like, like, okay, say you really as a guy, say you really like somebody, and you're in you're you've been friend zone. You're seen as this person that's dependable, but not ultimately 
uh, you know, get withable. What do you do in a situation like that? And you, you really want to try. The best thing to do is disappear. Go off the grid. You fucking go and get jacked. You go and you start learning shit. You go to take jujitsu. You change your entire fucking wardrobe. You every everything. You go and you whiten your teeth. You do everything completely different. Everything. And you come back, uh, you know, three to six months later or even a year later. Sometimes it takes that long. Within that time period, you can completely change everything about you, Matt. And you can learn all kind. You can go and learn a language. You can go and take your your learn about flying drones. You, uh, you can do philosophical shit. You can learn all kinds of stuff within three to six months to a year. Just don't sound uh, uppity about it. Just be like, listen, I just took some time for myself because I realized I didn't like who I was, so I wanted to change that. Or not that you didn't like who you were. You just realized that there was so much about you that you wanted to sharpen. And you just want to be a better person. So I took some time off away from you. I'm glad to see you again, though. They'll look at you like they'll give you so much respect, so much different points that maybe you will have a chance at that point. But you have to come back with a specific specific objective. Like, say, you disappear for six months or a year. You come back a completely different person. They come to you. They see you. That first expression on their face is going to is gonna tell is gonna tell all. And it, the, the idea that, say they see you after six months to a year, you know, hey, where you been? I haven't, we haven't talked. You kind of been, be like, I was just, look, I didn't, I want to change a couple things around about my life and I feel pretty good right now. Hey, you want to, ha- you know, I'm going out with friends. You want to get a drink? Sure. You show up that night with a fucking V-neck and freaking biceps and hair, you know, properly lit up and shit. And then you're like, if their expression is, hey, how's it nice to see you? And a little hug and stuff like that. And they go about that. Okay, good. Then that's that. You will, you'll know if all your efforts your quote great expectations have not have not been fulfilled. You'll know. You'll just be like, all right, hey, great to see you. But somebody else will notice that shit. Somebody else will notice who's your friend. That might even be, that might build you points. If somebody says to that girl, who's your friend? Guess what? That girl might get protective. And then it's like, oh, okay, I see. That might be a trigger. However, if you show up and they go and she goes, holy shit, you look amazing. It's like. I mean, you give them you give them such a big squeezy hug, and you say, "I missed you." That's gonna it, it will change the dynamic, and they will look at you very different. And when you talk to a person, you look them in the face. Or not necessarily when you talk to them, but when you listen to them, you watch them, you look them right in the eyes. Tells you it's a huge thing. As far as this situation though, it's best for either way. If you plan on coming back or you don't plan on coming back at all, you definitely have to step away and focus completely on you. All right? And you have to really do, you really have to put a hard effort into that. And believe me, you'll make a huge bit of difference. But there's no bad person in this in this scenario. Not her, not him, and definitely not you. It's just one of those things where it's like, you know what, this isn't just, this isn't going to work. It's always going to be weird. It's always going to be difficult. And it's just... Somebody's going to be make a bad decision and probably just best that I kind of pull back or step away completely. So, but other than that, no worries. It's going to suck, but hate to break it to you. That might be the situation. All right. We're at 57 something minutes. I'm going to close up shop for today. This has been a decent episode. I kind of actually enjoyed it. It was, you know, almost went off the rails. Some of them do sometimes, uh, but that's pretty much it. Uh, if you have questions or concerns or comments about my wardrobe, where I'm shopping, watches, anything like that, uh, you can hit me up at positivesarcasm.com. You can email me through the website, or you can contact me directly, positivesarcasm at outlook.com. Questions, concerns, comments, anywhere, slide in my DMs, whatever. I'll try, I'll get a hold of you as quick as I possibly can. 
If you have questions about the coffee, questions about how I run the studio, anything like that, hit me up there as well. Posing music, if you need posing music, I I get back to people as soon as possible. Like is if you email me, I'll almost email you right back. Okay, I'm very good about it. I'm very very uh, uh, quick with creating the the music for people for their shows. Just want to let you know that. Uh, in other case, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on YouTube. You can find me all, through all those channels. Like, subscribe, share. I'm on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, uh, uh, Pod Bay, CastBox, anywhere where podcasts are available, you can find me on there. Like, subscribe, and share. Please leave a comment. And, of course, Positive Sarcasm on YouTube and Positive Sarcasm Podcast. And maybe, just maybe, I might, might be working on a third channel called Positive Sarcasm Music, where I have a live stream channel just with music, and that's all it does. I don't know. I've seen those, and I like those in the morning when I'm drinking coffee and just a little bit of background music. I like it. I think it's a super cool idea. I just have to see if I have the resources to put that together. And if I do, I'll throw it up. But until then, thank you for listening and watching and subscribing. I will talk to you all next week. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio, this has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation.
support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.